dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Sister Natalia. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Christos vos crece. Fuis no vos crece. Christos anesti. Alitos anesti. Alma si acham. Ah, snap. I was waiting for one night. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Something else come. Hakan. Hakan come. Hakan come. Yeah. come. What's that? Arabic? Melkite? I think it's Arabic, yeah. Okay. That sounds right. Um, oh, so welcome to What God Is Not. A Hopefully we're going to have a voice saying that. Hey, what do you think? What do you think? And if you disagree with me, don't say this on air. Um, but you can do <laughs> it later on. Um, <laughs> traditionally, you, actually, you have a voice. I'm just saying traditionally as in traditionally podcasts. Yeah, have not a, like Byzantine uh, tradition. No, no. So uh, as far as I know, traditionally podcasts have somebody introducing the podcast that is neither of the hosts. Um, I have in mind, I won't say it, you know who this is. I have somebody in mind <laughs> um, for it. But in the meantime, if we don't get this person, I think would be ideal for that voice. Um, what do you think of, again, just say yes either way. Um, but I think it would be cool to have Mother Theodora do it. That's a great idea. Thank you, and you—you you look so sincere. I really—I think you are sincere. I, I just think it's—it's <laughs> it's coming from—it's coming from your superior, and I think yeah. and a monastic, and it would just be—and she has a sweet voice. So Aww. if we just had her just say hello and welcome to what God is not podcast, let me give you a virtual hug <laughs> or whatever you think she would say. Um, that's anyway. Really I want to mention like one thing. Amen. Me too. So anyway, well, we'll let's talk to her about that. Um, I'll let you do that okay? because you're actually seeing her in person. Will that work? Okay, put that on your to-do yeah. list. Um, sure. So I, I want a, as soon as, you, as soon as you texted me today and asked about the topic and there was some misunderstanding in the text we just talked about earlier, but um, you, you mentioned the topic that you wanted to do today, which is great. Um, and I had a, a moment of saying there is so much in this topic that I am not prepared in the next 15 minutes to research and therefore to talk about in any sort of eloquence um, on the podcast. So I would love if, if a tradition would be, uh, we'll see if this works. I want, I want these traditions to happen organically. Um, but I would love to kind of have a podcast begins with processed thoughts on the previous topic. Oh. In other words, if, if there's something I did not have a chance to look up or I couldn't think of a word, I couldn't think of the topic, then I can say, okay, you remember the last topic was this and I was able to do a little more work. And sometimes there might not be anything. Sometimes they're like, no, that, was, you know, that, that didn't need anything. But I would love to be able to have a second chance, <laughs> I guess is what I'm saying, <laughs> if I totally space something or if some listener just says, hey, you forgot about this and I'd love to bring it up in the next one just to say we're kind of completing it after a little bit of further thought and feedback and insight. Yeah, I think that's a really great idea. Okay. So real quick, our previous podcast, I don't know what we're going to call it yet um, because it hasn't come out yet, but it was uh, our very first. So this is episode dos, episodo dos as I called it, um, the, uh, on this recording. <laughs> um, and I, uh, I think the last one was really good. We, we thought we lost it. We had some technological issues. Um, I think we got it back. But is there anything that you want to reflect upon Dear Sister Natalia, from the last one, we introduced each other and talked about, um, since you are still technically discerning monastic life. By the way, it would have been, when would you have taken your final profession? This hour? Um, what time? 
Well, the liturgy would have started about three hours ago. Okay. So so you yeah, would you so, so yeah so probably about probably about an hour hour and a half ago yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, there we go. So yeah. it is it is the it is the planned day of Sister Natalia's final profession. We are in the midst of coronavirus and COVID nineteen, so we've had to uh, delay it. Um, unfortunately, Sister's a trooper. You're a true embracing of your cross and sacrifice. <laughs> So I commend that immensely. So, but yeah, we it looks like we are gonna have the first episode and able to put that out um, sometime very soon, and hopefully with Mother Theodora's voice introducing the podcast. Um, yeah, and then we might Although, we might switch. Go ahead. You know what's interesting is if she does do it, I'm sure we'll have her do that before we release even the first one. Yes. So anyone listening to this will already know that she, yeah. It'll be um, what's that movie where there's like worlds inside of worlds? Oh, um, I think Leonardo Inception? DiCaprio. Inception. It'll be an yeah. Inception moment where the, they'll I have already seen heard it, but it I know happening. What you're talking about. They'll they'll hear us decide after after they've already heard the decision having been made. Mm-hmm. I, I actually watched Inception a long time ago, and typical me, as you rubbed it in even last time, I think we did podcast. <laughs> I forget a lot, a lot. <laughs> I am sanguine and phlegmatic, and so things like people's names and major decisions in my life and major moments in other people's lives just kind of go away. I'm the opposite of a melancholic. Nothing, almost nothing sits deeply. It's, it's like so endearing, amazing. though. It's so oh, endearing. Like, it's just, you just laugh at me. It's a, you call it endearing because <laughs> you can laugh at me. I meant amusing. <laughs> okay, there we go. Well, that's not nearly as helpful. Anyway. Anyway, so okay, so I, I'd like to, I'll let you introduce the topic or however you want to say it, but I, I'd like to have an opportunity to um, correct anything I say that is wrong or heretical or <laughs> um, a further development or a further thought or even feedback from listeners. So once we have a way of having feedback, dear listeners, um, feel free to give us feedback so that we can. We can, uh, although, yeah. So I, I guess if we're going to be recording two in a row, that won't work out so well. Anyway, we'll have we'll have the beginning of it is like previous topics that we can that we can invest in further. There we go. Sure. All right. What are you thinking, sister? I don't. I didn't know we were doing this. I don't really have any process. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, you mean the, the new topic? topic. Well, do you have anything yes. that you want to add from the last one? Um. No, I thought. Um, I th- I think it's an incredible thing, um, an si- incredible situation you're being put in because of coronavirus where your discernment, because I mean, I remember vividly um, as emotional as I was when I became a deacon and ordained a deacon and made my vow of celibacy, my promise of celibacy, excuse me. When I made my promise of celibacy, it was it was absolutely polarizing because I was, I was, Knowing I, knowing I was giving up something, probably one of the greatest gifts God has ever given us in in having a, a companion and children. I knew that by his vocation, by his call, I was giving that up. Um, but there was such a moment of freedom because I mm. knew that 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 any thought about getting married, any crush I had on a girl, anything like that was was merely at this point, something that was so beautiful during discernment now became just a, a moment of temptation. And that's actually very freeing to be able to say that door has been shut. I heard it shut, I know it shut, and now I can rest in being very single-minded 
and, and going in the direction of of living life as a good celibate. And um, you know, it, it's a it's a gift. It's a gift, and and you have had that gift pulled away from you um, and held back. Jesus is holding behind his back, if you will, and um, and we don't know when it's going to be offered back to you again because of of situations outside of our control and outside of your control. Um, so it's uh, you you are being honed and pruned and uh, and molded into something good and beautiful, um, but. What, what should have been a moment today, what should have been today should have been a moment of great freedom and rest is, is, still, is still not that, you know? Yeah. And I know, I know, I know you, and I probably know this even more than you do, that you, I truly believe that you are really called to celibacy in a monastic life. Um, don't let that, persuade you one way or the other, but it's, it's, that is settled so deeply on my heart that I would not, you know, I, I would be surprised if you decided to start discerning marriage again um, before you take your final profession. Um, but it would, it would be totally legit and I would support you in it 100% as your spiritual father. And I would say, let's do it. Let's, you know, I, after a conversation, let's do it. Let's discern marriage. You know, this is, this is something we discern. And yet I, 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 I don't have anxiety about it because I, I see that God is has got kind of a God has that smirk on his face that that I think <laughs> you and I have talked about in spiritual direction before that we have seen so often like um, yeah this is going to hurt a bit but I've given you hope and I know what the future holds I know this can be beautiful and so it's that little divine smirk of saying you know you're, you're going to be it's like a a, a child. Like we'd, we'd, we'd smile at a child who is about to learn a lesson <laughs> and it's going to make them better. Um, but we know that the child is not going to be the best thing for that child. You know, we, we, we tend to laugh at children when they, when they fall and do things that, that, you know, are, are a learning moment. You, you know? laugh and at I children think, when they fall. <laughs> I, I laugh at everybody when they fall. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but it's like, but it's just, there's something about children when you see them doing something that is childlike and that is just from a lack of maturity. And I think I think that that is certainly something that we look at them and see that in the child, and then go, I I, I smile because I know it's going to be okay. You know, if 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 that child, God forbid, had epilepsy or something, and then they they then do a seizure, we wouldn't smile, of course, um, right. because that that's something that could have lasting lasting damage. But there's there was a certain um, oh, this is a learning moment for the kid, and it's going to make them better. You know, and so I think that's how. Uh, I imagine that's kind of the little little smirk that God has on right now, looking and saying everything's going to be okay. It's all it's going to be coming. You're gonna you're gonna have just just this, this breath of relief when our Lord gives you back that gift of the peace and the rest of 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 your vocation being solidified in your mind. Um, and until then, um, yeah, I mean the the it, the fact that it's up in the air is is somehow going to bring good fruit. Amen. That's the divine hope. Well, I think that's a really good segue into what I want to talk about. Um, And give me a minute to try to articulate this because it may at first not seem related. But we we had a conference with our our bishop recently. He's been giving us some conferences on, he's a Jesuit, so he's been giving us some conferences on this book called Ignatius, I think it's called Ignatius of Loyola and Eastern Spirituality, um, which is really cool to see the comparison uh, between this, the the east and west here, and 
If you, by the way, if any listeners want to read this book, it's only available, I think, in German, Italian, Spanish, and Czech. So it's not available in English. Um, but real so, quick, sister, one thing I just yeah. realized is that um, as you began this, as you mentioned your bishop, so Sister Natalia is a, what, what's the Greek word for your status at the monastery? Rasifor. She's a Rasifor nun, um, so she's very, very close to making her final profession. I think we hinted enough about that, but just those of you who are newly listening, she is a nun about to take her final profession. COVID-19 delayed it because we can't, of course, have gatherings. Um, I'm a Byzantine Catholic priest of the Eparchy of Phoenix, currently serving at St. Mary's in Los Angeles. So um, priest, nun, um, <laughs> we've known each other about nine years. She's my spiritual daughter, I'm her spiritual father, and uh, we decided to start a podcast together. So, okay, go ahead. <laughs> That's that's really important. I wouldn't have thought of that. Like a lot of people probably didn't listen to the first episode. <laughs> um, right. Or, or or yeah, or coming upon it. We should do some sort of introduction a little bit yeah. every time. Yeah. Father Michael, Sister Natalia, soon hopefully Mother Natalia, and then at least that'll be pretty obvious. But until then. <laughs> okay, sorry, Thank I cut you. you off. Go ahead. No, I'm glad. Thank you. Um so 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 Bishop Milan has been giving us some conferences um on this book which has been super helpful, super beautiful. He's a, he's a very wise man, very holy man, and, and we love him very much. Um, we're glad to have him as our bishop. Um, I'm not just saying all of that in case it gets back <laughs> to him, but he's really great. <laughs> so anyways, as he's giving us this conference, the most recent one we were talking about um, apatheia, which is uh, the Greek word for, for dispassion, basically. Um, and and there, you see a lot of this in the West as well. It's what Ignatius calls indifference, um, and there have been, yeah, so, so it's referenced a lot in both Eastern and Western spirituality, but in, in the East it's called apatheia because we're Greek. Um, so, so the reason, the reason I want to talk about this is because that sort of sparked a, a conversation in our community. So we were talking about this yesterday during our fun day and, because I think it's always a struggle to understand what this means, apatheia, to be, to be dispassionate. Um, and the reason I think it's hard to understand is because there's, there's the temptation sometimes to think that we should have no emotions, um, and which, which is a conversation I've had with you in direction many times. You know, I'm a, I'm a Star Trek fan, so shout out to any Star Trek fans out there. I'm a little bit showing my, my engineer Ooh. nerdiness. Hey, Star Trek's a really amazing show. I love Star Trek because you do. Oh, I, I just never got sweet. into it. And, and <laughs> any competition between Star Wars and Star Trek, I'm definitely a Star Wars guy. So anyway. Yeah, I've never really Squirrel. seen Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, so, um, <laughs> so, so I've talked <laughs> to you in, in direction about how, like, how much I desire at times to be, to be data, to be an android with mm-hmm. no emotions. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not what we're called to because we're not androids, we're human. Um, so I think that's one temptation is, is to try to have no emotions. And then another temptation is to suppress our emotions, um, right? So go back to Star Trek. This is like the Vulcans. This is the Spock or the Tuvok. Um, although Spock is half human too. So anyways, but to, to suppress our emotions, um, but that's also not healthy. And... Because we're not called, we're not called to be androids. We're not called to be Vulcans. We're we're called to be humans. And and God has given us these emotions, and thus He must want us to do something with them. And so, so I guess I want to talk about what that means in how to 
not get rid of and not suppress our emotions, but how to control them and how to direct them and, um, and not be driven by them. Um, because yes. like we have the, the Captain Picard and the Captain Janeways who, um, who you can very much see in the episodes, their emotions and, and they are feeling hashtag all the feelings. Um, but they direct them and they direct them rightly towards this particular cause and they're not, they're not driven by them. Um, hmm. And the reason, the reason I want to talk about this specifically now is because I, so I call you yesterday, right? Um, and basically emotionally vomit on you um, <laughs> because. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to bring this up. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't going to? Mm-mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Um, I think it'd be not okay for you to bring it up, but it's okay if I bring it up. So, there we go. <laughs> so I emotionally vomit on you because I, I genuinely feel that I'm accepting and I'm consenting to my life profession being delayed. Um, mm. But I am also very deeply and very acutely feeling the pain of it. Um, especially, you know, it's, I mean, it's Mother's Day and I was supposed to become a mother today. And, um, and so all of the people who are reaching out to the monastery and saying happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and, <laughs> um, and so, so I guess I want to hear your thoughts on, on what is the balance there? And I'm kind of putting you on the spot here because you didn't know I was going to ask this question, but, but what's that's the balance? <laughs> what's, you do much better on the spot than I do, so that's fine. Um, what's the balance between how do we how do we feel and and sort of um, control our emotions, but without suppressing them, and and also not acting out of them? Like, what's the middle ground there? And yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I want to talk and, about. Um, I hate to put it this way, sister, but this is an incredibly gray area, but you started it. Um, <laughs> just so you Father Michael about knows us. I hate gray areas. Sister tends to be very black and white about things and desire black and white <laughs> structure. And, uh, you know, this is right, this is wrong, do this, don't do this. I'm the exact opposite. I, I live in the gray. I love the gray. I love the, the exceptions. In the gray. <laughs> I thrive in the gray. I love the exceptions. I love the... I love the opportunity that comes and the freedom that I perceive is there. And uh, the I, I, I chains, like, you know, black and white is, is a chain to me. Um, so we're very opposite in that way. So yes, I, I think this is, this is an, a gray moment where we need to embrace the fact that um, we live in time and space. We need to embrace the fact that, that every moment is going to be different and that we kind of need to tap into the, the grace of the spirit in that moment. So um, I think you put it very, very well. And it actually reminded me um, of this quote um, from Maximus the Confessor. Let me, let me read it real quick. Um, shout out to Maximus. Shout out to Maximus if he's listening. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know he's listening. Um, <laughs> in some um, all right. Uh, Evil for a rational soul is to forget its natural good, thanks to a passionate attitude to the flesh and the world. When the mind becomes the master, it abolishes such an attitude, rightly interpreting the origin and nature of the world and the flesh. As the mind, keeping passion in its power, makes the senses the instruments of virtue, 
Let me say that again. As the mind, the noose, in other words, the 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 gateway on our soul. There's, you know, we can define noose, and we could do m- multiple episodes on that. But um, the mind, the noose, which is kind of the I, I like calling it maybe the balancer at the door of the soul. <laughs> so it's like it, it controls what goes in and what comes out. As the noose, keeping passion in its power, it has control, makes the senses the instruments of virtue. So that the passions captivating the mind move the senses to sin. In other mm. words, if the passions reign, then then it, it it enslaves our senses and moves them towards um, lack of freedom, sin, missing the mark. Whereas the mind, the noose, since it's a control, that the passions happen, emotions happen. So that they they approach us, and then the noose, our mind decides what to do with those. It, it has a very real freedom. This is why St. Paul in Galatians 5 calls it self-control. Another definition, like mm. like apatheia, um, passionlessness. Um, what did you say that Ignatius Loyola calls it? Indifference. Indifference, which has a, which can have a negative connotation. So we gotta be careful with that. This is a very positive sure. connotation. He's, he's referring um, to, a, a, he probably says holy indifference or something like that, but. Okay. Yeah, so um, so there's that. Um, so this is the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you read Galatians five, I mean, he says self control. This is the ability to self control. Um, so if sin reigns or if the passions reign, they take the objective stimuli of our senses, our five senses that take in stimuli, and 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 they move it towards sin or slavery of saying. The, the the stimuli reigns. You have no control over it. If you are presented with this opportunity, I know you're going to take it. This is why alcoholics, what do they do? They, they don't even have as many, most don't even have a sip of alcohol. Why? Because that sip of alcohol, they are powerless. They will immediately drink too much. As soon as that the, the stimuli comes in of one sip of alcohol, they move in that direction. Um, so he, he's here comparing Maximus is the passions and the mind, the noose. And he's saying, then he continues, it is necessary to see how the soul should keep a suitable mode of action by using the virtues, by using for virtues, what was formerly used for sin. So this is a reflection upon St. Paul and, and, and the reality of, of St. Paul is talking about, here's your previous life and here's your current life. And the same stimuli happened. Your, your, your current life is saying the noose, the mind is going to, is going to perceive the world and it's gonna say, let me, let me approach this stimuli in a way that, you, that pushes it towards virtue Whereas if we are slaves to the passions, that same stimuli reigns. So the world's going to present what the world's going to present. The devil's going to present what the devil's going to present. So I think to answer your question, sister, the middle, the middle ground is to say, I always want to assume, I don't always want to assume. I, I, want, I want to see the opportunity. Let's put it that way. I want to see the opportunity in my experiences. So I experience mm-hmm. something and there's an opportunity here to either let my passions reign and become slaves to that and be defined by it and let it rule my life. Or I can take that same stimuli, that same experience, and I can say, how do I, how do I become Christ-like and tapping into his grace make this good and beautiful. So mm. I think as you know, sister, to take your example, um, God presented you with an opportunity, an opportunity because of COVID-19 um, to experience what is outside of your control in a new way. 
and and he's giving the opportunity to say, as he does, this is an evil. I think, well, okay, that's step one. This is an evil. COVID-19 is an evil. The delay of your of your um, profession is an evil thing. God doesn't like it either. He mourns this. God is mourning this. Um, but everything that is evil, God turns to good and he can and he does for our salvation. So so the the experience is of the evil, but the Christian hope, the eye of faith, the ears of faith that, that God has given you and given us is to say, this is going to turn out good. You know, the God is going to make good come of this. So in one sense, I have hope and anticipation. In one sense, I have this little seed of joy in my heart that's going to say, what is this going to, it might not be on the surface, but it's deep down there. It's foundational. What is God going to do this to make it good and beautiful and joyful? So that's what I mean by the gray. It's you, you, we, we cannot see every moment, but what we have to assume is that if I am reacting something out of emotion, like you said earlier, I have to start out by saying that is good. The emotion itself is good. We tend, like you said, we cannot demonize emotions. God gave us emotions, so emotions are good. Then it is, what do I do with that emotion? Do I let the emotion mm-hmm. reign and, and run reckless throughout my, my disposition and my body and my soul? Let it be in control or do I take this and I that noose, that bouncer over my soul, I say, oh, here comes the emotions. The bouncer has stopped and asked for ID. And now the bouncer is, is identifying that, emotion, that stimuli, that situation, that experience. And then do I let it in or do I hone it? Do I let part of it in? Do I let all of it in? Do I let none of it in? Um, And then all of a sudden I let these things begin to form me. And then when I do this habitually, repeatedly and habitually, then it becomes virtue. It actually changes my disposition. It changes my behavior. Um, So assume I don't think there's anything, we, we need to be on guard, but, but assume that, that, that emotions are generally good because God gave us an emotional, uh, an affect, a will. The emotions come in and they're generally good, but, but I need to always be vigilant and watchful. Another, another great you know, Greek virtue here, watchfulness, mm-hmm. what, what the noose does, that, that bouncer mentality. That's great. I have um, I have two clarifications I want to make, and then and then something to add to that. Um, one is that <laughs> because I've come across people uh, not understanding this and then being confused. If any of the listeners want to look up noose, it's spelled N O U S. Um, <laughs> it's, <you. laughs> it's a Greek word, and I've come across that's some really funny. There. Not N O. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Very good. That's why. Um, that's why you're here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> one reason. <laughs> I hope that's not the only reason so I can spell things. Um, N-O-U-S. <laughs> so, so the Greek word noose is N-O-U-S. That's, that's one yes. thing. The other clarification I want to make, um, just because of your statement that, that COVID-19 is evil and that the, the delay of my life profession is an evil, um, I just want to clarify for everyone that what you mean by that is that um, because, because sick, Sickness and death in and of themselves are an evil. They are not something that we were meant to experience as humans. Um, and so, so that's what you mean by, by COVID-19 is an evil. Um, and then my profession- I would profession, go further, yes. I would and say you're- my profession you're, being delayed is a result of that evil and thus it is also an evil. 
Yeah, it, it's right. Exactly. It's not okay. that the bishop made an evil decision to yes. delay a profession. That's a that's, that's what, a really that's good clarification. No, yeah. the bishop, as as far as we can, as far as we know, have done this out of wisdom. You know, it it is it is a good thing that God the bishop has tapped into God's grace of making something good out of something evil. Um, but yes, I think that's a good clarification and, and a, kind of we need a mature mind here to understand that. But yes, I think the delay of your profession is evil. It's, it's negative. It's not of God. Um, but but, um, um, but the, that evil situation has been um, taken hold of by the noose-like bishop, N-O-U-S-like <laughs> bishop, and, and he's going to participate in the ongoing grace of God to make sure this is good and beautiful and helpful towards salvation, yes. which is the whole point of why you're doing this. Amen. Um, yeah, so I just want to make those clarifications. And then what I was thinking about as you were talking about the emotions, the emotions are good and it's what do we do with these emotions. And I'm thinking, because because something that I read in, in the book that Bishop Milan is going through with us, um, I, I translated it from Spanish for the community, which is why we have an English copy, but that's probably illegal. If no one could tell on me for copyright reasons, that would be great. Um, (laughs) so anyways, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, so the, what it said, um, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the book in front of me, but it said something along the lines of, we are called to apatheia for things that are not directed toward Christ. Um, and that brought me some consolation in that, and, and it references also something about apatheia towards the things of the world. Um, so, so like I said, that brought me a lot of consolation because they weren't seemingly in my mind um, condemning our feelings or emotions. Um, they were simply saying that, that unless it is of Christ, it is useless to us. And we should be, as St. As Paul says, you know, to see, to see all things as, as trash, as um, rubbish. Um, that are not that are not of Christ, um, and so, so so that's something I think to to keep in mind because if we if we can direct those things towards Christ and if they can bring us closer to Him, then then they become a good. Um, and because I was thinking, even even Christ, who obviously is the epitome of integration, and. <laughs> um, and and he, as you said, is is to be our model. Then even he, like he wept when Lazarus died, mm-hmm. um, and he was angry with the money changers in the temple. And so it's not like Christ was this robotic stoic or something. Um, Christ was not an android. Um, he he had feelings. It simply is is he directed them. Or or Garden of Gethsemane is a great example of this, right? Um, and so I guess this can become my prayer. If 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 my prayer can be united with with Christ's prayer, then it's a good prayer. Um, so to just to just tell the Father, um, I don't desire my life profession to be delayed, and and if it's possible, let this cup pass. But if it's mm-hmm. if it's your will, then then your will be done. Um, Great reference. So thanks. Great I read reference. the Bible sometimes. <laughs> Um, so you, you mentioned something about the, uh, the righteous anger of Christ. And I I think it's, this is an important point. Um, and, uh, multiple theologians, ancient and new have reflected upon this, but, um, especially like 
the what we might call the passions like if evil sins like lust and anger are can be transformed pretty quickly into the zealous opposite of those things so mm-hmm. lust is is just a a misplaced zeal that should be oriented reoriented towards love and generosity mm-hmm. and anger is a misplaced zeal that should be directed towards justice justice so so you have you have these moments where we 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 tend to get if if we are prone to anger or lust we tend to see these things as just as reorient I mean like like unorientable <laughs> that's not a word <laughs> anyway like unable to be righted like mm-hmm. the, these are just pure evil in themselves but both those things lust and anger especially both involve zeal but just zeal mm-hmm. towards the wrong end zeal that objectifies or zeal that 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 that, that throws someone under the bus whereas if mm-hmm. they're rightly ordered that zeal is good and so both anger and lust are, are are closer to the virtues that they are the opposite of than most other than most other vices are. So, for instance, like sloth, sloth is is and um, sloth is is one of the harder virtues to correct because it it's not it mm. it involves the opposite of zeal, right? It's one of the harder vices to correct. Just to- thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're gonna be clarifying a lot, so I appreciate this immensely. One of the harder vices. What does I say? The harder virtues to correct. Yeah. <laughs> harder vices to correct. We'll add that out. No, we won't. Um, the uh, so yes. So the but those things like those passions can can be rightly ordered and with Christ's help um, and and habit and virtue, um, you know, quite well and quite easily. So not easy. I don't want to say easily. Um, easily in Christ's mind and in, in His time. I uh, I almost made a habit joke, but then I uh, didn't because a lot of people don't like puns. Um, <laughs> so that actually reminds me what you're just saying of this quote. I realize this is a Byzantine podcast, but we can breathe with both lungs. Yeah. So sure. Um, there's a quote by Saint Augustine. Let me see if I can get this right. I'm doing He's it for ours as well. Um, we have a feast true. day for him. That's true. Um, the man who is lost in his passions is less lost than the man who has lost his passions. Beautiful. Um, and yes. that's, that's what you just rem- were reminding me of. And I, I think that's, that's very beautiful. And it's, I mean, it makes sense of the greatest, <laughs> some of the greatest witnesses to the faith we see are, are those who are converts, right? <laughs> you know, um, or, Sorry, can you say or that the, quote once again, that was beautiful. Just say it once again. Sure. Sure. Um, he who is lost in his passions is less lost than he who has lost his passion. Yeah, beautiful. And, and I could be, I mean, it's, I'm paraphrasing. It could be, it might be the man instead of he, I don't remember, but it's something along those lines. But, mm-hmm. but the, the idea of it is that. Um, and, and I think it's true. It's, I mean, this is also scripture of, you know, somewhere in scripture since I'm not really so good at those references, but um mm-hmm. But that those who are who are lukewarm, God will spit out. Revelation. This is Revelation. Yeah. Nice. No. Yes. <laughs> You'll learn not to put um, me on the spot because I'm probably going to get it wrong. <laughs> so, anyways, that's that's what I was thinking of. Is um, is that? So I think I think a, a practical, and by practical I mean something practical to bring to prayer, something to say to the Lord in those instances, if I'm hearing you correctly, is to, to become, strive to be self-aware 
of what those emotions are that we're feeling mm-hmm. um, and do our best to get to the root of them and then bring those to the Lord in prayer of Jesus, this is what I'm feeling right now. And um, show me how I can direct this to you. Show me how this can can become a gift of self to you, whatever it is that I'm feeling right now. Um, how can how can this anger be directed towards justice? Um, and and I think it's not a simple. It, it involves a purification and um, and an outward focus because if we're just looking at ourselves in that, it's very easy to get caught up in the the emotions and the self pity and yeah. um, all of those things. Yeah, Amen. And so, yeah, how how Lord can I take this tendency towards anger, and how can I take the same emotion, the same stimuli, the same experience? and orient it towards justice. Same thing with lust. How can I take this same stimuli experience, whatever it is, and how can I can I zealously move it towards love and generosity and self-gift? Um, and again, talk to your spiritual father about this, but this is uh <laughs> this is a uh, a a life lifelong journey. It's it's not like this is something that, okay, that's step one of the ladder. Now what's step two? No, this is this is steps one through thirty of the ladder. Um <laughs> We need to. That's just that's just really great advice. Take this to your spiritual father because I'm literally taking this to my spiritual father right now. <laughs> so that's I like this that is lot. this is free spiritual direction. You don't need your normal fifty dollar copay to uh, spiritual direction. <laughs> he he does not charge me for spiritual direction. Just to be clear. I I, I got to be careful with saying those things, don't I? Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna tease a lot and joke a lot, but I guess thank you, sister, for giving the right answer. <laughs> so anyway, I, this is a quote that I thought of and I, I was able to dig it up on my phone. So I, I, you probably thought I was just ignoring you and playing Angry Birds or something, sister, but I was actually looking up a quote on my phone because um, she can see my face. Isn't that what you're always doing during direction? <laughs> she, she's in Burton. Oh, I'm usually falling asleep. I'm no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> she's in, she, she's in Burton, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very true. Very true. Um, she's in Burton, Ohio, and I'm in Los Angeles, California, by the way. So we're, uh, we're but we yeah, are watching each other on the screen. Yeah, we also didn't say that. I basically just bombed, <laughs> bombed the intro. People know. No, 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 no. That we, we haven't talked about this yet. We're still, we're noobs at this whole podcasting thing. So, all right. So this is, you're this the is podcast, Chesterton. You're the podcast veteran, you said on the last I one. Know. I'm the new. So, uh, I'm, I'm like trying your to not sidekick. look like I'm neglecting something here. No. <laughs> I want to. Can I pick which sidekick I am, though? Like whether I'm Robin or number one. I just realized I don't know any other sidekicks. <laughs> I was gonna say, do a Star Trek reference. Number one, right? Yeah, number one. There you I'm go. your number one. I like uh, that. Okay. Then that that might Read switch over time once once <laughs> it emerges that you're the more competent one of the two. All right. So this is Chesterton. <laughs> Drink because you're happy, but never because you're miserable. Mm. Never drink when you are wretched without it, or you will be like the gray-faced gin drinker in a slum. But drink when you would be happy without it, and you will be like the laughing peasant of Italy. Never drink because you need it, for this is rational drinking and the way to death and hell. But drink because you do not need it, for this is irrational drinking and the ancient health of the world. Mm. So the same thing, alcohol can I mean th- this relates to baptism, right? Um, and we uh, uh, baptism. We use water for baptism because water can kill and give life. 
it's it's a paradox. Water can take life and it can give life. Same thing with fire. Fire can take life and can give life. Both of these things either sustain our life or take our life. Um, same thing with, by the way, with 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 the stone. This is the the stone can be a stumbling block or the cornerstone. This is Christ. I mean, the, the, our our Christian faith is kind of saturated with these ideas, and the drinking is the same way. Drinking can be the death of us. It, it can lead to addiction and death, and yet. Chesterton is saying here that that same stimuli, that same experience of alcohol can actually assist. And and if it's done irrationally, as he says, he loves the paradox. If it's done irrationally, if it's done not because we need it, but because it's just fun and we're going to do it, it's going to be helpful to us. Kind of overthinking this part would actually lead to ruin. Um, So the same stimuli is just what you do with it. So this is in a sense passionlessness. So, but the problem with with apatheia is that by the time that most of us are trying to become passionless, uh, we're trying to become in self control or passionlessness, we already have we're already slaves to things. So we Mm -hmm. actually need to be purged. We need to go through the cathartic way, the way of purging ourselves of of these things. So we part part of the Christian life is just saying, what am I a slave to? Like what, where am I not free? Where am I not in self-control? And then we have fasting season. So this is why monastics like you, sister, um, do structured prayer because there's times we don't want to pray. And Mm -hmm. if Mother Theodora and the Tipicon says, you're going to pray right now, we need those outside sources to say, this is how you grow in habit and virtue. The same thing with food. We need the church to say, these are fasting traditions because we would be slaves to food and slaves to our own time regarding prayer and also vigils. I mean, the the monastic treasures vigils. What does that mean? The monastic says, you know, I could become a slave to the need for sleep, you know, and so I'm going to pray longer and when I'm tired because I refuse to be a victim of the basic, you know, my passion towards sleep that can rain and, and turn into sloth and, and things like this. So the monastic as well as every Christian should desire to have when 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 I get tired, I'm in control. I say, should I sleep or not? When I get hungry, I'm in control. Do I eat or not? When I have some extra time, I'm in control. Do I pray or not? And oftentimes by the time we ask these questions, we're already slaves to those things to one extent or the other. Mm -hmm. And we're not in control of making those decisions. So we actually have to, again, go through that purgative way, the cathartic way of saying, I'm gonna gonna put forth the effort guided by and empowered by Christ himself to become more in control of these things. And what that means is freedom. I have the freedom to choose. You and I, sister, talked about this maybe on the last podcast. When you're discerning marriage or celibacy, you need to fall in love with both. You need Mm -hmm. to say, I would be perfectly happy as a married person by the grace of God. And I would be perfectly happy as a celibate by the grace of God. Only when I understand the beauty of both, do I have the freedom to then listen to what God's calling me to. Because if my my ear does not want to hear one or the other and God whispers it in my ear and I say, nope, there's no way I'm a slave to, to being afraid of this or fearful of where this is going to go. I'm not truly free to discern vocation or discern any decision being made. Absolutely. It, so it reminds me of um, charity fight. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, um, I'll take that. You can be more charitable. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, well, it reminds me of it reminds me of a few years ago, a couple of years ago, when um, I <laughs> I heard someone say something about giving up coffee for Lent or something like that, and I had the thought of, oh man, I could never give up coffee for Lent. I'm so glad we don't give up coffee for Lent at the monastery. Um, and then, and then immediately after that, I thought, 
crap. <laughs> That's probably not okay. There's probably nothing in my exactly. life that I <laughs> should be able to say. I can't give that up. Um, so then I brought that to direction, you know, and I I asked you and mother both um, if, uh, if I could fast from coffee for a month. And, um, and because I think there's a, there's a very wise rule in our Tipicon. Tipicon is um, the rule of life in an Eastern monastery, the Tipicon. It's also um, what we call like the liturgical rule for the, for the church. Mm-hmm. But um, anyways, there's this rule in our Tipicon for our monastery that any additional fasting beyond what the community is doing needs permission from the hegumena, which I think is very mm-hmm. wise. Um, because otherwise there can be there can be pride and there can be a lot of disordered fasting and things like that and that can be dangerous. But but anyway, so I, I gave up coffee for a month and um, not in a fasting period, but just because I knew I needed to do this. And it wasn't a matter of coffee is an evil <laughs> or even that that it's wrong to drink coffee every day. But but simply I needed to overcome this thought of I could not be without this um, mm-hmm. because there should be nothing in our lives that we could not go without uh, besides besides God. And so I think that's the point that you're making. And so I think I think everyone everyone can see those things in themselves if they are open to it and they're open to letting the Lord show them that. You know, we all know what that one thing is that, <laughs> that if we heard someone else was giving it up, we thought we could never do that. Um, yeah. And I think that's exactly where our focus needs to be and that's what we need to be purging. Yeah. This is a great topic during the Easter season. <laughs> we're, we're in Pascha right now. <laughs> Sorry about that. I mean, no, we're, no. In, we're, in, we're in Pascha, but we're also in the midst of COVID-19 where so much sacrifice is being asked of us um, and placed upon us. And, and the things that we thought that we couldn't do without, the, the human interaction and the, oh my gosh, physical touch is like, my primary love language, and I can't touch. Well, I can touch the other nuns, and that's nice, but it's hard. Um, and we need to be shown that that ultimately those things don't matter, and that all is rubbish besides um, besides that which is of the Lord. Yeah, Amen. Oh yeah, I've I've definitely discerned which trees on my property are the better to ones to hug. Because I'm without humans. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Tree <laughs> you hugger. Got my Tree <laughs> Um I, my, when my family does Zoom conferences or things like that, I've thought, you know, the, the, my family on our on our text thread just sends pictures of the kids, you know, little ones to mm. grandma, grandpa who can't see all them right now. And I'm like, I just, I want to take like a different picture of me laughing with icons and things like that. Like, ah, good <laughs> joke, Jesus. With an icon on the photo. Just to be like, I'm the only celibate in my family. I have 16 nieces and nephews right now. And all these photos of nieces and nephews are being sent to mom and dad O'Loughlin. And then there's just me being like, hey, I took my plants for a walk today. <laughs> I literally take my plants for a walk in the morning. I take them outside. I water them, put them in the sun. <laughs> oh, what is my life? You're joking. That was a joke. I am I am totally not joking. I, <gasps> I take my house. I only have three of them. I had four and one died um, because I'm me. And, oh, that <laughs> and is I bring the them outside. I, I put them in the sun. I smile at them. I spritz them with water. I pour water in the pot. And then I look at them every day outside and I go, oh, how are you guys doing, little plants? Hmm. So my landscaper does not listen. God bless Lupe, but he he overwatered my one of my plants and totally killed it. <laughs> 
they like die the same day. I'm like, this is, <laughs> is a that like, plant. Is that like reverse shout out to Lupe? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm so sorry, Lupe. If, if one of these days you're ever listening to this podcast, it's okay. <laughs> it was a cheap plant. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so I know we need to go, sister. I'm looking at I'm looking at your schedule. But is there any last words? Or um, I, it might be good if we also finish with a prayer intention. No matter when people are listening, is there anybody in your mind that listeners should pray for and we can bring to them? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say pray for... You can say yourself, by the way. No, <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not my thought. Um, oh, okay. Actually, something I've been thinking about a lot um, because it's been, it's been, like I said earlier, it's just been so hard to to know that my profession is delayed and... I mean, it's also just a logistical nightmare of replanning everything. But um, as as difficult as it is and as painful as it is, um, there's the perspective of um, a, a friend of ours, a friend of the monastery, um, is at this point probably actively dying. Um, and And we love him very, very much. And we Skyped with him the other day, but it really just brought a lot of perspective of as hard as it is for me to have my profession postponed, for people to have their weddings postponed. Um, I think that the greatest pain that I've seen in all of the COVID-19 situation is the people who are dying and not just of COVID, but of anything, the people who are dying and who can't have their loved ones with them because of all the restrictions. Um, and so I think that would that would be my prayer request is... Um, for all of those who are dying and for their families and, and the pain of that separation. Um, and of course, we, we trust in the grace of God and, and that he will give those who are dying and the families all of the comfort and all of the consolation that they would need in even greater abundance than if these restrictions weren't in place. But, but all that being said, out of compassion, it's just, it's really heartbreaking um, to know that all that's going on. That is, and especially, I mean, that's that's the last, the last experience on Earth is one of isolation. Um, right. Yeah. Thank God we believe in God. <laughs> thank God we believe that they will be <laughs> right. They will they will go to our Lord, whether it's for judgment or mercy, but they will go to Him as, as soon as they die. Their soul will. So, Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, you know, I've I've gone through like six or seven prayer intentions just while you were talking, as I was brainstorming. You know what? I'm going to ask. Are you I, saying I that you weren't listening to me and instead you were just like thinking of your own answers? The the brain of an ADD person can focus on multiple <laughs> things very slightly, not fully, but that's like, welcome to my life. Um, I can be be dealing with both those things at the same time. But there's a guy and this is, I just, all, all the ones that are deeper to me, I pushed out because I don't want to rank them according to need. But there's a guy who comes, he's Iranian and he, I think he's homeless. And he comes and he sees me and he has this great smile and he, he's always asking for, th- for things at the church here. And I, I only understand like half of what he's saying um, because of his, he, you know, his English is, is definitely is not his first language. Um, anyway, I think he wants me to send some books to Iran or something like that. Anyway, whatever, whatever he's trying to get at, <laughs> he's actually supposed to come today sometime. That's why I'm thinking of it. But I, the first time I met him, he had like two suitcases and he asked me, 
Um, again, it took about 10 minutes to realize this, but he, uh, he wanted to keep them somewhere safe so that he could walk down and run an errand and not have his suitcases stolen. Now, mm. I had just met the guy, so I didn't want to put them in the house of the church. Um, so I mm-hmm. just said, you know, find a place on campus and I'm just going to pretend we didn't talk. Like, in other words, on our parish <laughs> campus, if you want to find a place, put them somewhere. I'm not giving you permission or no permission. So if you, but if you don't come back, the gates are going to be shut and you have no access to them after dark. So I'm explaining all this to him. You're, you're so like then, the, the airport's worst nightmare. <laughs> like, I know, exactly. If a stranger don't, leaves a bag with you. <laughs> I am definitely not TSA. That's why I didn't want to put it in the church or in the house, you know, sure. kind of for that reason. So. So then he, so then he, he leaves the suitcases and he goes to look like around the property to find it a better place to put them. And I went in and I, I got a Lacroix and I put it on his suitcase because it was roasting hot and and mm. the Lacroix was cold. And he comes out and he sees it there and he immediately like puts it on his neck like to cool his neck down because it was so mm. incredibly hot. And then he thanks me like with tears for <laughs> stupid Lacroix. You know, it's something so simple. And then mm. and then every time he's come back. He always tries to give me money for the Lacroix, and like Aww. it's just like a dollar or two. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, it was yours, but like it made such. So anyway, it's a. He seems to be a very heartfelt homeless man who's who's trying to get by with his life and trying to find some sort of rest somewhere. So I think his mm-hmm. I think his name was. It's obviously not his real name. I think he said it was Ray or David or something. I don't know. Those names sound nothing mm. alike. But anyway, that's how my brain works. <laughs> um, so pray for this guy, this Iranian guy who who seems to be a man in, in very real need um, of some love and charity. Um, so let's pray for uh, yeah those who are dying, isolated, and then also for the those who are isolated even when they're not dying. Well, maybe I'll put maybe I'll put this guy in, in that camp. But um, and then you'll give your sketchy too, internet blessing. He needs a hand up. Oh, that's right. We're going to do that. Yes, I'll give a sketch of my blessing. Okay. All right. Anything else in your mind, sister, before we go? I know you need to go. Yeah, I just heard the bells for Vespers ring, so I think uh, right. I think I'm good. Cool. Well, thank you. We'll finish the blessing. So love you, sister. Thank you for uh, doing this. I appreciate it. Had a good time. Processed a love lot. Love you too. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May he grant all those who are listening his peace. May he grant you a greater zeal for salvation. May he grant you a desire for passionlessness and may he allow you to see your own sins in a way that will allow you to surrender them to him and to put forth the Christian effort necessary for habit and virtue and self-control. May you treasure this great gift of the noose and self-control that has been given by the Holy Spirit. May you utilize it wisely and maturely. May the Lord bless you and all those you love in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bye all. God bless.